Hi, you're listening to Celluloid Cards Wallop with James and Gemma. Sit down and enjoy yourself, grab a snack and have some fun. So, welcome to this week's Celluloid Cod Wallop. Uh, we are recording and reviewing episode 9 of Picard, uh, named at in Arcadia Ego. And this is a two-parter, so this is part one of it. And I am joined, as ever, by the wonderful, slightly bonkers, and we love her for that, uh, Joanne. Hi, James. How's it going? It's pretty good. Uh Touch wood, I haven't contracted the coronavirus yet, and I'm hoping that's the same for you. Yeah, so far so good. But bearing in mind, we started this podcast and there wasn't really many problems. We heard about this mysterious virus in a far off land. And by the time we're getting to the end of Picard, uh, we're, we're fucked and the zombie are fucked. <laughs> We have jinxed the planet. If we had, I have to wonder, you know, it's a wee bit like you don't send something on a Facebook, you know, where you get these things and message you, send this on to 10 people to, for good luck. Maybe if we hadn't started this podcast, the world would still be a safer place. <laughs> God, you might be right. I mean, it's more, <laughs> what, what terrifies me is, and you and I discussed this beforehand, uh, is the fact that, you know, on... There's this running joke about me, you know, having a, you know, the ability to to uh, prognosticate and see the future and things. But I did say there would be coronavirus challenge videos, and unfortunately, yes, there have been coronavirus challenge videos of people licking toilets and other things. Society is fucked. Yeah, completely and utter. You could be Mystic Stafford. That's true. If I, see. What worries me is that I am indeed Mystic Stafford. I can see these things for other people. All I want to do is see something for myself. Please, lottery numbers, Euro billions numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Location of toilet rolls. Oh, tell me about it, yeah. Toilet, toilet rolls. Don't understand why that's so obsessed with people, but as I said, society is fucked. Now, what I want us to do is discuss a nicer, kinder, gentler society in theory, which is the, <laughs> the society in Star Trek. What an example this is. I mean, given, given what we've seen so far, the Federation isn't the good, clean people that it used to be, and the Romulans are back to being fucking headers. <laughs> indeed we are. So, it, well, indeed they are, not we. But yeah, it's an interesting way for the episode to open. So we open with... Uh, Joanne's favourite character ever, Agnes, mm -hmm. under a table, scared, which probably gave yeah. me a lot of pleasure. I was fucking livid. <laughs> I was sitting thinking, James, they fucking started it with your woman hiding under a table. Please let this be over. Please let this be over. That's what I think every time I see you. I just want to get to the end of your scene. You are having exactly the same reaction as I am. <laughs> But I do like that you see the, the, the difference between the way she's viewing this, because 
the ship's going through like some sort of wormhole. And to be fair, the seasoned Starfleet people look pretty interested and also pretty sort of relaxed about it. Uh, and the ship's firing through this really snazzy looking wormhole thing, um, which spits them out on the other side um, and takes them down to a planet. Um, and, well, it's just an interesting way of, of seeing how things are going at this point. Everybody looks really happy and relaxed because, excuse me, what they've done is they've travelled across a huge distance of time to the planet that was, uh, it is basically Soji's, well, home planet, isn't it, basically? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Because they've gone through a trans conduit which has taken them 25 light years in just 15 minutes. Actually, just on your note about the staff looking quite relaxed, or the, the flight deck looking mm-hmm. quite relaxed, did you notice that Rios was sucking that cigar like a big cock? <laughs> yeah, I think that he was sort of like really chowing down on the cigar. Yeah, I noticed that one. It was... Uh... Yeah. That man has great technique. <laughs> um, so the crew are all there. They're saying it's great they've got to this planet known as Capelius. yeah i think it's Capelius. it's called uh and you know agnes is obviously expecting to be uh put into deep space 12 but it's not the case uh and interestingly they then find out they are being chased by the romulan which they don't really understand how that's happened because the little romulan ship because you know uh Agnes ingested the weird metal stuff and wasn't a, you know, they, they shouldn't be able to track her. But uh, mm-hmm. obviously they've been looking to go into the wormhole thing and follow them through. Um, and things take a very interesting turn at this point because you, what you're seeing at this point is just a normal sort of, you know, dogfight uh, in space. And it then gets a bit more interesting because it goes from that to where we think people are going to die. And it, the interesting points around that is the fact that I like the fact that Soji basically sort of saying, let him die. You know, yeah. he, he, he screwed us over. He screwed, so screwed me over. Well, I don't know if they know it's him, but they're sort of saying, get them. Just finish them off. It makes no difference. They tried to kill us. We should do the same. And Picard, again, shows the thing that we always sort of love Picard for as captain, which is the fact that he was saying, no, we have to show compassion to this person. Killing them is not the right way to go ahead. Um, but basically, it turns out he was playing possum, as they say, and starts like firing back on them and creating further aggro. So maybe Soji was right. Oh, she was. Because he was look, using his cloaking device as a holographic projector to try and fool them. Something that actually Picard has used before in one of his one of his original um, ships. Because he, he talks about it in one of the old TNG episodes, how that he'd done exactly that same manoeuvre. Just to fool whoever it was that was after them at the time. I can't remember what the episode was. He mentions one of his old old um, ships that, that he'd been um, command on. But it's quite interesting that he... It, it, it's fooled him completely. Even though he's used it himself before in the past, it's fooled him. And you mm. see the, the, the ship actually sort of blinking in and out because it, the cloaking device is supposed to be on the blink. And I, I'd like to know actually how he, well, we know who eventually it is, so but we can't say he, how he sort of fooled his, his uh, life sign life readings because allegedly at that point his life sign readings weren't great. But again, that, mm. that was a fool as well. 
because the fucker was was completely all right. He was he, he just was completely bluffing the crew of La Serena. Um, the, what uh, and then what happens? And I honestly would have loved to have seen this this single shot in a cinema because it was so amazing. The sweep of what else had come through the uh, wormhole is a the, is a Borg cube, and yes. the sweep of seeing that was absolutely was absolutely brilliant uh, yeah, on, a, on the big, big screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we then jumped to what what I can only say is like to me, and I'm, I love to hear what your take is on this, John. To me, this is classic Trek in the sense of really classic Trek because you get weird shit, which is like flowers enveloping mm-hmm. the ships. Now, to me, that really made me think of like Kirk era Star Trek. That sort of strange thing of something enveloping that's like a flower. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, to me, the episode, and I couldn't help but think on a few times, bits and pieces that happened later on on the planet, it had that feeling of old Trek, even some of the music, the way it was the way it was played and, you know, the weird freaky sort of stuff. It was mm. like the writers were on the same drugs as they had been on the 60s. And it was wonderful just to see that influence coming through into a brand new, a brand new um, version of Trek. But there definitely there was that love. But those big orchids are quite freaky. In fact, in some ways, maybe if you're not used to old Trek, you might be sitting at that point going, what am I watching here? This is a bit strange that these big flowers appear from the, from the surface because Rafi says with, with bogies incoming and they just wrap themselves around and destroy the comms and they destroy the electronics on board. The sh- well, I don't actually know exactly how they do that, but they seem to short things out because... That just as they drag them down to the surface, but for them to have the power to bring the board cube down, just shows you how powerful they are. Yeah, and maybe it's like an EMP, uh, electromagnetic, electromagnetic pulse style thing that causes it them to to switch off. But they sort of like they also do this sort of weird stuff where, and again, this again makes me really think back to old uh, Trek. And I love, I loved when you said to me that I'm on the when they were on the planet makes you think of old Trek because when I watched it um, on broadcast on the Friday, I thought that straight away uh, that it felt like really old style Star Trek. But um, the it's like Picard gets possessed, I think, or something of that nature. Cause he starts like trying to communicate with blacked <laughs> out. <clears throat> I mean, that felt like really old Star Trek to me, this idea of somebody getting possessed by some sort of plant or something. Yeah, did you not think, come on now, did, I'm laughing here, did you not think to yourself at that moment that man has dropped, secretly dropped a bit of cheese? Yes, very strong yes. cheese. I, I think yep. what he probably did was actually drop, you know, that cheese that's illegal. I think it's in France that has like, you know, uh, um, worms in it. <laughs> I, I need to go to the parties you're going to. I mean, I know so strange. <laughs> But I have never gone to a party where they're going, hey, mate, try this cheese here. It's really good shit, man. <laughs> Just sell it in wee tiny paper bags as well. We tend deal for a wee bit of cheese. <laughs> well, the coat comes open and you pick, you know, Gorgonzola, you know, Swiss, <laughs> Brie. <laughs> we, we have a total obsession now with cheese because of a card. <laughs> of course, we have agreed, we, well, as we discussed earlier before we started potting as well, that that your um, quarantine food is cheese. 
<laughs> Definitely. So it means I'm going to at least, if uh, if we are all locked down and quarantined, I'm at least going to be having some cool dreams because or scary dreams because I have always seem to find out that whenever I have cheese, I have weird, weird dreams. Um, now, what I find interesting is Picard is carted off to um, sick bay, and the ship's knackered, and they work out that like you know they have to open the the vents or lights, whatever, you know, the something that let light in. You know what I mean? Wind sunroof. and shit. Yeah, it's a sunroof. You know what I mean? Sunroof, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, by hand, because it, everything's knackered. Yeah, I think it's been an old Capri, actually, that they were riding across space. <laughs> and they've, they've, they've been able to open the sunroof. And it's been one of those wee windy sunroofs as well. Not even an electronic one, but one that you had to wind. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> You know, be, if kids will be listening to this and they go, what? There used to be things called sunroofs and there used to be things that were electric. <laughs> you know, on these age, by if they pretend to wind down the window, they just don't pretend to hit a button. They actually do a cranking motion. Yeah. I mean, I still find it amazing now that most cars you will get in, even base models, have electric windows. Because at one stage, when I was a child, electric windows were considered a luxury. When I was a teenager, oh, yeah. they're still considered a luxury. Yep. Things have changed. Definitely. I'm sure you can even plug vibrators into the mains now. Who'd have thought it? <laughs> That's your job to research that. Get to it after <laughs> this podcast. That's why I'm self-isolating. I have them all lined up. You've seen my Facebook page. You must have it. <laughs> Indeed, I have. No. <laughs> Um, so, Picard, though, now I'm going to mention this and I'm going to hand it over you to run, hand it over to you to run with this. But all I'm going to say is something I found interesting. So, Picard is unwell. We know he's unwell and they bring him around and they do this great thing saying, look, old tricorder because everything's broken. But they leave him with Agnes. Now, I know Agnes is a doctor. But what are your thoughts on this? Can you see why I see this as potentially being a bit of a strange thing? Yeah, I think <laughs> some mates he has on that ship. Oh, yeah, that's OK. Just just we'll, we'll let Agnes take care of him. Sure, the last time she took care of anybody on her own, she killed him. But we'll not hold that against her. It was just a mistake. It was an accident. It was murder. OK, well, sure, we'll just forget that she actually murdered Maddox. Um, she hasn't had sex with Picard, so he might be safer. I know, I think it's a really, really... It's a bit like leaving Harold Shipman alone with a load of old people suffering from the virus. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does seem strange they're so willing to just say, well, we won't... Car- I mean, okay, I get why they haven't carried her off to Deep Space 12, which, I'm just going to say as a side note, I was very disappointed that they say Deep Space 12 and not Deep Space 9. I know. I wanted to see this Deep Space 12 just to see if it looked anything like Deep Space Nine. Was there maybe one of, a, you know, a franchise of quirks on it? Maybe there was some sort of weird looking Odo. I mean, by now, of course, Odo would have cl- closed the promenade. Promenade would be on lockdown. Odo is this type of person you need in charge of the, of the UK at the moment. Odo would know what to do. Yeah. Well, he'd probably just like that mass execution of people as well. But <laughs> <laughs> going workers. That's what Boris Johnson needs to come on with. Tonight, folks, uh, actually, we're, when we're recording, we're waiting for Boris Johnson to come on at half eight. And by the time you hear yeah. this, you'll know exactly what's happening. To, to uh, 
to brief the country to see we're all expecting lockdown or some sort of, you know, stricter measures. But I think Gul Dukat should really come on at half eight and say, attention, but you're on workers. <laughs> Tell us exactly what it is that we have to do. Yeah, I think uh, I mean, we may actually we may even be finished recording by then, but who knows? But yeah, basically, the coronavirus is reaping chaos uh, across the world and things are getting a bit uh, difficult. But going back to our wonderful Picard show, things uh, they're learning about difficulties there, because although they've left uh, Picard and it with Agnes, and Agnes hasn't killed him, which is, you know, thumbs up to Agnes. She's uncovered about his, his his health problem that's causing a big deterioration, uh, uncurable deterioration. So I assume it's sort of like dementia or some sort of uh, brain problem for him uh, to go with the near parlance for what's happening now. And the crew are all upset. Well, he tells the crew, basically just says, if you start like <laughs> mollycoddling me, I'll be pissed off. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he does. Poor Rafi's just having a breakdown. I mean, yeah. I, I'm proud of Rafi in this one because she doesn't smoke or take drugs or, or anything or drink. Well, in fairness, she's no time, but she, uh, she probably is the one with the biggest emotions of them all. She is. Mm. I think she's reflecting back how the audience feel about the the, de- the thought of the death of Picard. Just mm. how, how, upsetting it's, how, how upsetting it'll be, either if it happens in the series or maybe if the Borg will rescue him in some way or... Oh, oh! I have had a wee theory here, but I don't want to say it yet because it only spoils later on down the line. But mm, just had a wee thought anyway. But yes, I think Rafi probably, she's us. He, she is the audience. Please don't die, Picard. We love you. Um, it's only a bunion you have. It shouldn't be that serious. <laughs> but <laughs> Very true. But they all have to go out onto the planet. And again, um it's well they're in a pretty difficult situation because they're sort of completely going to the unknown the one thing i did find a bit strange is the way that soji's able to suddenly remember things that she wouldn't know or know things that she possibly shouldn't know my guess on that is because it's things they're just pre-built into a cortex sort of thing and we do get a good shot of the two weird moons was it Two weird moons, yeah, for the planet. Yep. It's a lovely. Again, whoever shot this, this is again where it'd be great if it was cinematic, because you're getting these huge shots where you see the desert area and you see the ship, and they go into the the Borg ship. And uh, well, actually, I'm going to let you step into this entirely, Joanne, because I feel this is more for you than it is for me. Yeah, I mean, Picard's absolutely delighted to walk into the board ship, and there's all the wee XBs running around trying to fix things. Bless them, good wee drones that they are. Uh, Elnor appears. I think, yes, Elnor appears and give, uh, gives Picard massive hugs. And then from up above on a ledge, we see the lovely Seven of Nine appearing, dragging two Romulans, and she throws them off. <laughs> she throws them off this ledge, and she, she asks, what is she says? She, there's something that she says to Picard. Um, let's see. Oh, I if if they've arrived for the cleanup, or if they just like to make a mess as well. So it was great actually because she was able to relate to Picard at that point then that she had noticed that the La Serena, so it was going into the conduit, um, that that there was a snakehead in pursuit, one of the Romulan dudes, and she opened another one of these uh cyborg, these Borg technology advancement doofers, and she followed them through to try and protect them. 
you gotta love seven of nine. I mean, she's she's badass and she's not a girly girl, but she's sexy as fuck. I mean, I loved well two things that uh, I just noticed in that scene myself is the part when one of the board called him the cutest, which oh, I yes. thought was great. And I think it possibly the same person who said it when he was on the, the cube and it was functioning. It was interesting to see Picard really got freaked out by that, though. You know, he physically backed up. Yeah, and do you know what was annoying about that bit? We still don't know. Maybe that's the bit where Picard or where Elnor bounces in like a puppy. We still don't know who this XB is, what his relationship is to Picard. And it's killing me mm. that we still don't get that answered in the scene. But it was interesting to see how much it terrified him, actually. Uh, but I guess maybe it's Prisoner of War sort of flashback thing for him. But I loved, I mean, I loved when you saw Seven of Nine appear. I loved the fact how happy she looked. You know, yeah. for the first time I can really think of, she actually looked genuinely happy to see the people. And she looked very human, very smiley and everything. And she looked sexy as hell. For me, she really, really. Oh, it's great. And her hair looked lovely again. I have to say, I don't know who's doing her hair, but the wish they'd do mine because she just looks absolutely fabulous. And she would have, like, I mean, that, that hit the planet with one hell of a thumb. And yet she still looks absolutely fabulous. And she doesn't actually have her jacket on on this occasion, which is, a, it was a very nice jacket that she had, but she's just jacketless. So we get to see her lovely shape. I'm sorry, I'm very sexist about seven of nine, but I can't help myself. I'm I am but a mere mere flesh and blood. Uh, I just want to say that I completely endorse and agree with every single thing that you have said <laughs> about it, Joanne. I mean, I I I did find it quite amusing that you know her hair and things look absolutely perfect, but by God, the woman is gorgeous. I mean, truly gorgeous, gorgeous woman. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting to see that. Picard basically was saying, we have to sort this out. Uh, we have, have to go with the, the members of the ship to help them. Uh, and there's this lovely comment where uh, Seven Nine basically says to him, you know, saving the galaxy is usual. And he goes, nope, that's up to you now. And you actually see real emotional response from uh, Seven of Nine. Not that you've not seen before, but she looks, she must genuinely like Picard. Can yeah. you see her getting, you know, see, you can see her eyes water and things. So she's really... Well, mm-hmm. she obviously likes the guy and cares for him. Yeah. I mean, I think it's wonderful that the Borg Cube is on the planet. And no doubt that that's going to play a major a major part next week because we've seen what's in common in, in this series as well. Because the, the weaponry on that, and and um, Picard notices that the XBs are very bu- are busy and about, and he asks what they're doing, and she tells him that they're fixing the replicators. And he yes. asks, oh, can you set up the long-distance scanners then? And the wee geniuses, they do. And when they've when he's left and the the, the crew have all left, the they basically uh, you know it does an interesting sort of group shot and shows them looking at a building, which upon looking at it now as it's going in the background looks like part of a uh, transformer to me. They've like fallen apart, uh, but anyway, that's just me. Uh, looks like part of the city there from Transformers Metroplex toy, um, and they go down to this to meet what are basically going to be Soji's people. Um, 
I noticed that Picard takes a nip from something, whether it's drink, whether it's like a drink of water or alcohol, or something that he's drinking. But I'm sure you see him taking a drink from something, and then you see uh, all the people gathering around. Well, I say people; they're all the cyborgs who all have a real look of data. They've got the gold skin and the the gold eyes. But this, to me, is like proper classic Trek. All these people in the sort of weird, sort of like maybe trying to be a bit 60s but trying to be a bit bit out there costumes uh this felt like proper you know proper star trek it it did and, and the music at this point as well goes slightly groovy as well uh you were saying you thought it looked like a trans uh transformers village i thought it looked more yeah. like uh 70s la porn star mansion <laughs> yeah you might be you know we might be both onto something actually <laughs> It didn't have that far out hippie man. Um, I was just at any moment, and they didn't have it because I was I was looking for it all the way through it. I expected an indoor swimming pool or an outdoor swimming pool, but with a lot of um, half naked young women walking around. And in the end, everybody's very tastefully dressed with their golden skin, yeah. and 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 they're, they're all twins, of course, which is great because that ties in with the whole twin thing that's been throughout Picard. You know, Daj and Soji and uh, uh, all. Lower and data, and of course there's B4, but there wasn't a B after, so we never seen who his twin was. But it's great that they've taken that theme all the way. And did you, some of them are doing the um, there's some of them they're doing martial arts as well. Whenever Picard and crew walk in, and that's the martial art. That's the uh, the not Romulan. Gosh, how dare how dare I the Klingon martial art that Worf taught on board TNG. That's what they're doing at that time. Mm. And it is interesting to see that um, the twin, A, I have to admit this, that I actually hadn't thought about the twin thing until you mention it now. But when, and I've just got it on pause in front of me, but the actual twins we've seen are not some sort of fancy thing they did with, say, Soji, where the, the actress is doubled. These are real twins. Yep, um, they sure are. So yep, the Ramsey twins and the perfect. Perfectuo twins uh, showing up, which is very cool that they're actually, you know, properly using twins in it. Um, and they discuss the fact that the weird giant plants are the orchids, which basically can't, um, uh, they don't have enough to sort of take down ships and, and kill people. Um, and although they can make more, they only have two days. Now, I will admit that when this, that, and you will know what I'm on about, but when this this man appeared, I honestly went, whoa! <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. That was a real shock. What a lovely wee, wee jolt that was at that point yeah. for the band. It's like, holy shit, it's Brent Spinner, uh, or Spiner, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> you never quite remember how to pronounce his last name. Yeah, and he turns out to be the, the son of Noonien Sung, his name is, I had to have this one written down, Altan Inigo Stung. Uh, as he mm. tells the data, yes, it must be a bit of a surprise. It's a bit of a surprise to him, too, that he's getting older. That uh, that his father, his father made, was it his father made him, but he designed data. There's something along those lines where you get the feeling that maybe as as uh, Altan has grown up, that there's a wee, there's been a wee bit of a rivalry. You know, he's yeah. always been compared to, to data. Well, he sort of makes the comment. I've not got it right now in front of me, but it's something on the lines of like, you know, I'm like Data. If Data got 
what was it, soft and old, yeah. uh, yeah. but data never aged sort of thing, which my father never uh, let me forget. Uh, I mean, I found an interesting thing. It's when they talk about the plant, when they were just backtracking onto the ship and sort of going, what the hell are these plant things? And suddenly Soji goes, oh, they're orchids. You know, like, they're called orchids. So it's like she keeps getting these sudden uh, moments of remembrance or, you know, that, that come back to her, which initially I found a bit annoying, but make sense when I'm reviewing it right now. Um, I mean, I'll say for Brent Spiner, I think he's, he's eight trees be well. So I'm sure he's in his seventies now. He's either very late sixties or early seventies. Uh, and it's interesting to see him not made up as data. Um, he, he, he does look sprightly. I mean, I, I think, okay, there was a lot of criticism when people seen the early, the early screenshots of uh, him oh, as God, the, yeah, yeah, because he looked, well, he looked like yeah, he had suffered from anaphylactic shock because he was so bloated looking in his face. It didn't look right, but he does look. Now that you see him in real life compared to whenever you've seen him as data, actually, it's not a bad job. I, I'm I don't feel as critical of of the job that they did before, how how much they changed him because he is a man that's you know your features change as you get older and. Mm. I give him credit. I think I think they did okay. But I mean, well, I think I'm gonna say these orchids. I mean, they you mentioned the fact they've only they've only a handful of four or something left, but they do have 280 218 Romulan warbirds on the way, which is slightly worrying because you could see the Commander O was in one of them. I mean, the interesting thing is that uh, speaking of data and the way he looked, one of the things that really got me, excuse me, when the first trailer came out is I was. The sheer horrendous. Now I don't know if he'd done it on purpose or it'd been a reshoot because when you first, if you cast your mind back to the first trailers that came out, when you saw Data, his hairpiece looked horrendous. His makeup job looked bad. I mean, it looked bad. It it's it looked like someone's really bad attempt to make somebody look like they used to look. But I mean, the wig alone. I just remember looking and thinking. Oh my God! This is going to be this is the look they're going for. This is going to look terrible. But then when he actually broadcast, they did a really good job with it of making him look as he was supposed to look. Okay, he's a little bit more weight, but he looked really good. The hair, etc. So I don't know whether they've done it as a a test to just show how bad it could be and keep people <laughs> in suspense. I can never work that one out. Hey, well, it was just. I mean, it's been great. We we've seen a zoom. And we've seen data. And so there's that connection to the synths and all the history that's gone on before. Because you, you think about it, the songs have been in. Um, I'm trying to think what they haven't been in. They were in Enterprise. Uh, they were, yeah. Yeah, TNG. Have they been in Deep Space Nine Voyager? Don't know. Probably not Voyager. Can't remember if Deep Space Nine. But they have, that family has been woven through the history of of the Federation. And the thing about that, about the songs as well is they're very ambivalent. You're never really sure what side they're going to be on. Mm. Never, ever sure. On an Enterprise, he was very, well, he was, he was a bit, he was dodgy. I mean, he was the one really that had designed Khan. Wasn't he? Didn't he? That was, um, I'm going to stutter here over what I'm trying to say, but that was whenever they decided they modify humans, and he was part of mm. that as well. That the special, the, the superior race that Khan was a survivor from. 
So, I mean, he was he was involved in that too. So you're never sure what his motives are. Well, I always feel the Soongs are on the side of the Soongs. You know, it's what's yeah. going to benefit them. But as you said, they're quite a complex, uh, complex family um, with obviously focused on certainly on uh, genetics and, uh, you know, uh, creating Android life. Um, and speaking of creation of Android life, we get introduced to, uh, well, Isa Brionis is uh, pulling double duty again because she appears as a character called Sutra who yeah. very much has the data look, the eyes, the makeup, uh, and this wonderful long dark hair. Something that's like pissed me off is before viewing this episode is actually somebody posted a still of her on Facebook, and I yep. was like, oh, balls, that's ruined something for me. It didn't ruin too much, because my theory was, could it be that they go to the planet, Soji like, morphs into that look somehow, but that has not been the case. I found it a very interesting look they gave her actually. Well, you know, when when she was no longer being uh, Soji but became Sutra, it was quite an inter- quite a cool look for her. And I love that she took, you know, Joanne's favourite character to task. <laughs> yes. Oh, she gives her a balakin, all right. She really does. She can't believe that that she had killed Maddox. And. The only thing is that Alton explains that he he had always been against Maddox's plan because he was worried about it bringing down unwanted attention on them, and which proved to be correct in the end. But yeah, she does, she does Balix out uh, Agnes. Agnes kind of tries to defend herself. Um, she comes across as usual a bit wishy washy with her new eyebrows to actually be able to get any facial expressions off her. But yeah, it doesn't go well with at all with uh, um. Sutra. Actually, I'm just thinking as well that they missed a real, they missed a real comedy joke. Um, what they should have done with, with uh, her sister, you know, because her sister was Jana. So you have Sutra and you have Jana. Jana was the one that was killed by Rios's old captain. They really, they shouldn't have called her Jana. They should have called her Karma. You could have had Karma. <laughs> yeah. I'm up there to that joke and thought I'm going to blow it. <laughs> Disappointed. Yeah, I've just had a rather pervy thought. You know how, like, Soong is down, down there on the planet with all these things? Do you think he's having sex and orgies with them? Well, I want to know, are they? Uh, do they have all the techniques that Data has? I suspect so. I, I could, I'd be amazed if they didn't. So I, I can imagine lots of orgies, you know. Yeah, that does. it definitely has a feeling of a cult. It mm, has a feeling of definitely. a 1970s LA cult. And you could just imagine them doing their weird religion-y stuff and, and, uh, and then a few sacrifices to some weird gods and then lots of sex and drugs. I mean, the thing I get with Sutra is that when she's giving uh, Agnes a telling off, because the contact lenses that are used, she give, I mean, it's an intense look, isn't it? You'd feel you would really know you were being observed when uh, she's staring at you. But mm-hmm. the other thing that I couldn't sort of get my head around is how has she learnt the Vulcan mind meld? Because she, you know, seems like all getting his tits off sort of thing. But oh, she's great. She's wonderful. She can do a mind meld. And I know it's so they can like do weird shit with Agnes's brain. But how the hell would she have picked up on that? I don't understand. Then we go through all this weird stuff where we see like life coming from life and we see like 
cyborgs being built and again we see data's face for some reason and the chaos of the the organic sort of you know the cyborgs as a threat and we get to see well frankly some seriously hippie uh trippy shit of stuff going on and you know sites of planets being destroyed and we almost will go a bit Doctor Who when they talk about beyond boundaries of time and space and stuff and yeah hmm. but we basically just seen chaos unfold it was yeah interesting they they I mean I think the whole thing was I could, the, the, the only good thing about the mind melt which yes I agree I find that slightly problematic I know Song was saying she could play the the uh, the Vulcan harp and She'd read Zurich, or uh, do you know they're the philosopher who started it at all? Their 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 way of life on on Vulcan, the Vulcan way of life. That the mind melt, yeah, how how on earth was she able to do that? Because you could almost feel that it would have to be more of an organic. It would be more of the organics, you know, just yeah. something that that humans could do, but that, that machines would have difficulty with, because you think that data had extreme difficulty with a lot of motions at times. I couldn't imagine data being able to do that, no matter no matter how advanced. And, and OK, I know the, these sensors are a wee bit more advanced, but given the fact that she's one with golden eyes and the same kind of skin texture and tone as data, and there's these other ones that are, that are later models, you'd maybe nearly would have thought that Soji could have done something like that rather than a previous model. It, it was slightly problematic, though. It did, it did save the bit where they then would have to go off to this this grief planet that the Romulans had been on to look at the the what's it called admonition themselves. At least she was able to push storyline along and say, "Here's a synth culture, advanced culture synths that are just waiting for us to send out a beacon to get help." But I mean, obviously, the upside to that would be then all organics would have to die to save the synths. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they also have to have a like you know throwing the old thing of saying fascinating, uh, just to give us a nice uh, um, Spock reference. But we then cut to uh, the the evil mad genius. Well, he's not evil, but you know the, the sort of like mad genius of uh, uh, Alton Soong in his room, uh, where he's basically again admonishing Agnes, saying how could you kill. Um, Oh, John, you have to help me. What was what was the chap he called that she killed? Oh, Maddox. Yeah. So he's out, he's you know, he's saying to her, how on earth could he kill Maddox? All the sort of stuff you wanted, to, you know, that you believed that you wanted to do. He's he's obviously upset by it. Then he poses the question: Well, if you can kill somebody, could you also give up your own life to help somebody? Um, and I'm very interested to see what happens here because he. Uh, pulls back a uh, you know he's in his little room and he pulls back uh, a sheet to re- to show a golem so my thought who is the golem going to be because I can see that the golem potentially could play something very big in the the next episode uh, could be used for something I, my uh, str- one of my uh, strange hypotheses is could this have something to do with Picard and maybe curing Picard's mental problem yeah what I well this is that that was when I had a wee sort of like a wee brainwave earlier that's what I was thinking of too but I think it's for some I think he's maybe dying as well or it's just the fact that he's getting older and he wants to be he wants to be like his children he wants to be able to live forever yes. with them 
So I think it's for him. But I think what, what we may find happening is that, yeah, Picard will somehow end up in that. And that's how Picard will be saved in the end from from his, from his the thing that's going on in his head that's eventually going to kill him again. Because as Sung also says that it was, there was, a, it was a sense of urgency to try and get the golem finished. And he asks uh, Agnes to help him. Because apparently this was Maddox's bit. The, 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 what's it called? He was an expert on substrate work. And she she seems to be able to to do something very similar to Maddox. She's as advanced as he is in, in this line of um, redesigning, I suppose, since. And um, so, yeah, I think he wants to he wants Agnes to help him to become this golem. And not the one that from would, Lord of the Rings. Hmm, that would make sense because he does mention like, getting old and whatnot. Um the only thing is, if it does go to being something to do with, say, if say Picard went to it as a high, uh, as an example, not saying that'll happen, but if something like that, that sort of happens, we're into uh, X Men territory. What happened in one of the, I think it was X Men three, where um, spoilers for however many years old film it is, but uh, again we're seeing Sir Patrick Stewart in that part when he was playing uh, Professor X, he gets killed, and his like body wakes up in a clone. So if they do that, that'll be interesting. Possibly a bit of weak work, in my opinion, but it'd be interesting. Um, I do like that, you know, you have uh, Soji and her data double having a sort of like morality-based sort of discussion. Uh, and then it cuts to the fact that, that uh, they have a data's cat clone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the only time that I've I've actually um, felt jealous of Agnes. She's able to scratch Spot too, and he's yeah. gorgeous and he's content. I mean, Spot was just such a great character for Data. I mean, uh, he um he helped Data find his find his humanity as well. Do you remember the bit where he asks Worf to have a look to look after the cat, and Worf sort of stands with his cat at arm's length, and Data sent him, "You you must play with him. You must tell him he's a lovely cat." <laughs> And Morse just looking at the cat, completely bemused. And then the cat would often attack members of the crew that were trying to look after him as well. He, every time we seen him on screen, he was lovely. But to anybody else, he was just a vicious tomcat. Uh, well, I've gathered that's also quite uh, realistic, I think, for what the actual cat was like in real life to the uh, to the uh, cast when they were trying to film things. It could be quite <laughs> quite difficult. It's a t- it's typical. Typical cat. Sometimes scratch me, scratch me, scratch me. No, I'm telling a lie. I'm, go- I'm going to actually scratch you instead. You never know where you are with cats, especially whenever they roll on. Say, oh, scratch my tummy. As Admiral Akbar would say, it's a trap. Don't fucking do it. You're you're not going to come away with all your fingers. But we get to see like Agnes and it's Rios, isn't it, having a bit of a uh, a moment of reflection, you know, and sort of saying, well, it's a slight romantic moment, but it's not so much. And then we cut to, and this is a really, really nice little scene. We cut to Jean-Luc with Raffi, and she she says, calls him JL, which I know has hurt some people, but it's okay with me. Uh, We've seen he got used to it, yeah. But we see, you know, she's obviously very upset about Picard's illness, and she basically says to him, I love you, you know, which is a lovely little thing. She said, you don't have to say that back to me, but I love you. And... It's a lovely thing, but Picard looks very, very uncomfortable. He does. 
It's like, oh shit, is she going to rip me here out in the desert? What do I say back to this woman again? Oh, do you know what's quite nice in the end? He thinks about it and he thinks about it. Because I, I couldn't help but think if the, the scene where Soji and Picard are talking about about how Data would see Picard. How, and he, he mentions the fact that he had trouble processing emotions like Data had. But it's almost like he goes to his memory banks and like a good sociopath decides, how far should I take this? Can I play along? And whether he means it or not, he tells Rafi that uh, he loves her. And that's really what Rafi, Rafi is pretty much, she lives on her emotions. And she just needs to hear that at that time. I like to think that he does love her, but there's an element of Picard that I've seen in this series that I don't think I would trust the man anymore. Mm. I mean, I, 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 would like to think he does mean it. I think he probably does. I think he like he does have a problem getting contact with his emotions uh, to a degree. I did find it a bit weird when uh, Rafi, uh, not Rafi, sorry, Rios says that Agnes is having a sleepover. Uh, what was that? Did you, uh, um, am I being a bit thick? Was I missing something? Did he just mean she was staying there? Or Yeah, I think that's what he meant because she's decided that she's going to stay to make up for everything that she's did and she's going to help Noonien Sung as well and because they, they agree I, th- I think they I think they agree that he's going to stay in the planet for, as they're fixing things but not to leave without her because she says you know don't forget me and Rios says you're, you're anything but unforgettable and actually on this occasion I would agree with him but for completely different reasons yeah. for you it's complete hatred of the character <laughs> I just want to draw that eyebrows on her. The woman needs eyebrows. Somebody out there, give her eyebrows if she's in the next season. Now, we cut to, I'm afraid I do, I know he's a two-faced murdering bastard, but he just comes across this pathetic wet that you just want to slap. Narek is in jail, and he's doing what all whinging pathetic sociopaths do, which is try and say, oh, but I love you, because basically he's, he's trying to get help, and he certainly needs medical help, and he's talking about how crappy uh, the situation is if he was like in a Romulan jail, and Sagar is falling for this. Soji basically comes on and says, kick the shit out of him, sort of thing. It's bullshit. Don't help him. And then he's trying to appeal to you know, Soji's side, saying, I loved you, etc., etc. And she's she says to him, you know, I'm more disgusted by the fact that I feel sympathy for you uh, than anything else, which I thought yeah. was pretty cool. Actually. I, I pity yeah. you. Yeah, I love the way uh, she challenged him because he tried to kill her before. I only tried to kill you because because I thought you're going to kill me. Yeah, we've heard that. Before. That's bullshit. Absolute fucking bullshit. I, I only I only did this because I thought you're going to do it to me first. Whenever you know yeah. rightly, the person's not going to do that first. He he's just I just find the man um incredibly unattractive. He just creeps me out. I think it's more the fact for me that he's I mean we also know he's just lying. I don't think he does love her. Uh or if he does he's just he might do it because he's so pathetically weak in reality. But I'm starting to see why his why his sister was so pissed off with him all the time. Um but as things have gone, maybe he's not as weak and pathetic as we think. He's just annoying. <laughs> I just don't like him. Which is he's a correct response. He's not meant to be a likable character, is he? Um, now, but interesting, we, Picard. Sorry, go on, John. Sorry. I was just going to say, 
technically we shouldn't like a sister, but we fancy her something stupid and absolutely adore the woman. So that probably says a lot about us that we absolutely love psychotic women. Yeah, but again, her being fanciable makes a lot more sense because she's very attractive and she's got that sort of dark side that people like in characters. Whereas with him, well, to be fair with him, he was more likable when he was more of like a, a, a an evil, nasty sort of turncoat a bit before he became this sort of snivelling, nasty turncoat. Yeah, he's a tosser. He's a complete nutter tosser. There's nothing attractive about him at all. It's probably, we've all been there where we've we thought, oh, this person's the one for me. And then you see them years later and you think, why the fuck did I have any feelings for them? They're a complete tosspot. Oh, I can't have you, them anywhere near you, people. Totally. Now, mm-hmm. Picard's attempting to get help by, um, by doing some sort of weird you know, encrypted subspace bollocks to Starfleet. I didn't fully understand it. it was just exposition stuff. Sat in the room going, oh, look, I'm in Maddox's wank room with his picture of him kissing Agnes. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> they've decided that fixing Narek's face is cool, and uh, uh, Sutra appears and basically opens his cell. Now, Interesting with Sutra, as a side note, the whole look they've given her, I find that very attractive. As a, you know, I think they've made her look very attractive. Whether I'm just some sort of strange pervert who's attracted to cyborgs, I don't know. But I do find the Sutra character very beautiful, the way they've, they've designed her. Um, so she then goes and sort of like he's getting a bit close to Narek. You see this interesting thing where it cuts to Picard and uh, Soji having a conversation where Soji's asking about the the importance of life, basically sort of saying, should you, is it better to kill somebody who's going to potentially kill you, you know, about the, the moral implications of taking a life? And interesting we then cut to uh, he, yeah, I'm looking at him now, I'm sorry, but he, you know, he's just such a wet bastard but Sutra's in the the, the uh, cell sort of getting up close and threatening him and basically sort of saying um, I, I want to kill you but I'm going to give you the opportunity to get out of here yes she she mounts him I thought hello what's going on yeah. here yeah no I thought that too I wonder what was going to happen if she was going to get it on with him oh what is it with these women his sister wants to fuck him Sutra's fucked him and now the other sister wants to have a go at him as well I find that really creepy at that point. Uh, yes, uh, Sutra is absolutely beautiful, stunning, but she gives me the willies. She really does. As a character, she's just, I find her so threatening. It's yeah. its a wonderful portrayal by the actress because it's such a different character because Naj was really nice. Um, she was kind of more the, de- she was probably closer in nature to Data. Soji's starting to become maybe a wee bit more like lower in some way, you know, challenging and bottom yeah are you sure that humanity's right i mean this is like a reversal of the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few because the chances are there's more organic life than there is synth life so for her it's the needs of the few outweigh the needs of the many but i get the impression it's and i not thought this until you mentioned about law basically as the wet ass romulan though has broken out he's killed one of well we assuming he has killed one of the uh the twin sisters not I, you know, I can as twin sister, assuming, or is it a has been killed by being stabbed in her eye with like a, a 
brooch and it then cuts to a conversation from sutra where she sort of saying to everybody i i've seen the the danger of the situation what's going to happen and hmm interesting is she is when you said law is she getting a bit more like law here yes i i think the, the, the good sister was killed at the time by Rios's old captain. If you think that there's like a yin and yang, a good, a good yeah. and evil twin, um, that it's quite possible that, that uh, Jana, her sister, was the peacekeeper and they were on a peacekeeping mission. Maybe that's why she was sent off world. I would love to know who was with her. I've just thought of that. Who, if they're all twins, who was Beautiful Flower? Because Beautiful Flower's twin should really also still be on the planet. If if Sutra's there, where is the twin of Beautiful Flower who accompanied J- Jana and who was killed at the same time as she was? There you go. Maybe mm. maybe that person will appear next week. But yes, certainly I think we've been left with the evil sister. And not only that, this uh, Sutra has only had contact. So far she's heard about humans and twice. One has killed her sister and the other one has killed, killed her. I don't know whether they're sisters or what way it works, whether it's her cousin killed the sister of um, Soji. So as far as she's concerned, humans are just there to kill. And she's not entirely happy with Picard because she sees Picard now as a threat that because he's quite persuasive. He is very, mm. very good at putting an argument across. Surely, certainly we've seen that in TNG. About them. There were some fantastic court scene episodes as well where Picard was wonderful um, at producing arguments for the defendant. And... Uh, so she's worried that he would be able to persuade the rest of her family because he wants to bring them all on board. He wants to take them away uh, and look yes. after them and defend them to the Federation. But of course, uh, Sung, he, he said, look, they didn't listen to him after the, after the war on Mars that time, after the, the shipyards were destroyed. Do you honestly think they're going to listen to him now? And I think... Which, which, which is a very fair point for him then. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, for for point that he makes assume makes why would they listen to you? he's just saying well they all like you here they're all in raptures to listen to you because to them this guy's got old and he's seen as having you know being full of wisdom and these great wonderful things you were known to do as admiral picard but basically nothing it's not going to work you just you know you, you're going to be you know, be, be, the, be the person who's screaming shouting at the, uh, the sea demanding that it turns when nothing will happen yeah, it's a pity because Picard's on a great roll at that point and him coming in going, no, they'll not believe you now. You can, you can understand why the synths are starting to listen to him because he is a great orator. But Sung mm. just goes, nah, bullshit, mate. They're not going to listen to you now. If they didn't listen to you then, they're not going to listen to you now. Nobody else listened to him. And they put him under house arrest. And actually, he gets yeah. manhandled quite a lot as he's dragged off. Yeah, because they try and also go after Agnes, don't they? And she sort of basically, you know, she tries to mount an argument that I will do my best to help you. I'm not, there's no point arresting me. I've worked my life to sort of create what you you are. Well, again, she's trying to put this argument forward, but really it's a bit of a weak argument, if I'm honest. Although, interestingly, you know, her argument is basically like a pathetic way of saying I deserve to be helped because I did have all this stuff to help you. And, you know, you see Sung sort of say, well, you know, she has been useful. She's kind of like the nearest thing you guys are going to have to a mother. Um, it's almost like she's basically 
Well, she's done the most obvious thing that you would expect, unfortunately, of Agnes, where Agnes was attempting to maybe save her image a bit or was getting to a point where she was saving her image. And now she's just sort of like has bartered herself to say, well, you know, take Picard, not me. The only thing I'm sort of praying at this point, I know you hate Agnes, but I'm praying that maybe she will have always be trying to, she, you know, in the back of her mind thinking, well, if I, uh, you know, stay working with these people, I might be able to save everybody and atone for my sins. But who I knows? There, yeah, I think there's maybe an element in that. I've seen Will Wheaton's show this week, The Ready Room, did show a clip from the next episode. And I think maybe we're going to see Agnes's... Uh, she, I think she's maybe going to come good. I still don't like her as a character. I still think she needs mm-hmm. eyebrows. I know I keep saying that, but it just is doing my head in, as we say over here. But uh, maybe maybe the girl will come good eventually. I, I mean, I think actually, I kind of slightly felt sorry for her because her argument became, uh, as uh, Sutra is about the mind reader, that she was actually driven mad by Commander O. That really, she was, yeah. Yeah, and and yet, and sort of actually, whenever you take a step back, you think, yes, there was stuff implanted in her mind. She was, I don't like to use the word rape, but you know what I mean. She was, it wasn't consent as such. What was done to her, and it it destroyed her mind. Uh, it certainly destroyed how she sees herself as a person too. Because before, I, I do think yes, she was fundamentally good, she's weak, uh, but. She, she was probably a good person and now she knows herself that she's a killer uh, and mm. maybe logically she's thinking well how did I allow that to happen you know there, there's maybe a wee bit of self-flagellation going on here at the same time that she can't understand why she did that but then what it does is you, you are right and I I mean I'll be interested to see what what comes from that? And then it goes to uh, Commander O on mm-hmm. some sort of warbird, isn't it? It's a very cool-looking ship, actually. And that, too, is going through the weird, uh, weird, wonderful uh, wormhole. And interesting with Commander O, there is no uh, sign of her in her star, uh, in Starfleet uniform at all. She's gone to nope. the full Romulan. Did you notice the difference, being the costume fanatic that I am? Huge difference in the um, the naval uh, uniform now for the Romulans. Gone are the big shoulder pads, the really bowl-cut hair that your mum would have done to you in the 80s. Uh, and, and the, the weird patterning and uh, the fact those shoulder pads, you could, I, I know, I've done, I do judges from Judge Dredd. And you can't walk through door frames half the time when you've got your big shoulders on. And that was the Romulans. The Romulans were very, very much a triangular shape. But now it's really sleek. I actually did recognise her at first. It wasn't until I read something about it later on. I thought, shit, that was Commander O. She looked sexy as fuck. Mm. Interesting. Love that. But yeah, it's, it, it's been a good... I really like this episode. I think it's been a good little episode. And I love the fact that I'm not alone. Uh, having spoke to you, that it's felt like sort of classic trek with going down to the planet. Um, so what would you give this out of 10, Joanne? I think I would give this eight and a half. And the only reason why I'm giving it eight and a half, not any higher, is because we haven't seen the last episode. This is part mm. one. Now, I hope they don't fuck up because everybody's, you know, they often do this. Part one of a part two is absolutely fantastic. And you think, oh, my goodness, this is so good. How are they going to beat this? And they don't. 
But I'm really hoping that we get the answers we deserve for the the 10th part. That it would it would just be so exciting if we get okay. There's there's got to be some mysteries if they're going to do series two. Chances are there's maybe going to be wee Easter eggs, but I want to see seven of nine and the Borg saving the day. And oh, I'd like to see Commander O and Jurati meet up again. See what mm. see what would happen on that occasion. Could Jurati become a killer once more if she was given the option? I yeah, it's I I, I won't give it eight and a half. I give it eight. I think um, just so I want to see a bit more, a bit more. Uh, sort of maybe more explanation on some of the characters such as Sutra and things in it. I did like the fact that to me you seemed quite a, a realistic reaction because if I mean a Sutra is definitely the, uh, I'd not thought of this until you mentioned it but definitely there is obviously one good twin and one evil twin throughout all these cyborg creations but Sutra's argument you could say actually makes a lot of sense because why on earth would you want uh, people who are to come to your planet who have basically all they've really done is create chaos and pain for you and they're going to bring a lot more trouble in the in the shape of the Romulans and I can only think looking at because initially I was trying to think why did Sutra release Narek unless she's released him simply because she knows he'll bring the Romulans and all unholy hell can begin yes I was wondering that too she had set up Narek to be the bad guy so that she could persuade her her brothers and sisters, yes, these humans are really bad. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter whether pointy ears, smooth foreheads, normal ears, whatever. They're all evil, and you must see them that way. Sutra is 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 the bad guy ultimately in the end. I know Soji clearly has problems trying to reconcile with Sutra's decision, but she certainly comes around to it in the end. Mm. I mean. It'll be interesting to see how they cap this off, and it's going to be interesting to see. We know this could be series. Well, to say we know this is going to be series two. The thing we now face with this coronavirus epidemic is when will series two happen? It could be a long way off. It may not actually happen. Uh, lots of things going to end up being cancelled. Mm-hmm. Um, one thought that just occurred to me that would be very interesting. We now we know we've seen uh, Brent Spiner. Uh, I did not know he'd be in this episode at all. Uh, what I saw information on him for on IMDb for episodes, it was showing limited information for for what he'd be in. It showed less than he's actually been in. And it, to be fair, did that with Jerry Ryan. It didn't show as many episodes for her, so they've maybe been a bit sneaky on what they're releasing. Wouldn't it be interesting? I'm not saying it's going to happen, because uh, I am not as brilliant prognosticating things as I thought or am I but wouldn't it be interesting if the Gollum brought back data ooh yes well you shocked me whenever you thought when you said last time you thought it was Narek in that wee ship and you were spot on and I'm going Mm. fuck I hadn't actually thought of that yeah that Gollum is obviously going to be the shocker who it is Mm. Don't know, but data I hadn't even thought. Hadn't thought of data. I mean, that would be a hell of a shock for Picard. I mean, it might kill the poor man if he sees mm. data coming back like that. That would be Picard's. Um, that would be the the completion of his 
of the journey that he had been on since he lost data, the ability to properly apologize. Now, I know he sort of used Soji the other week as a, as a way of uh, forgiving him his sins, but it's not the same as if he had actually spoke to data. I mean, if they're all made of one wee molecule of data, I can't remember, they have a fancy name, fancy made up name for it. Where is that bit kept? And can that mm. be replicated into the golem? I do think it's it's probably for Soong, but then mm. maybe I'm just going, maybe Soong's happy enough to die because is he replicating all these children of his or are they older, are they older models making the newer models? You're not really sure on that. You don't know whether he's made them all. I know he made the butterflies because there's a reference to the butterflies because he said he missed butterflies and yeah. he made them for the planet and obviously he made Spot as well, but did he make every single one of those synths or did the synths make the other synths? And that's why you're seeing a change in models each time. Upgrades, like new apples, Apple phones. Yeah. So does that make uh, Sung uh, Steve Jobs? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? They should have really dressed him in a black polo neck with a projection in yeah. the, him. D- doing, doing PowerPoint presentations and engaging the audience. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. We're the same. We have these microphones that we're sitting with at the moment. We are sort of like doing a Steve Jobs thing at home with our headsets on, talking to ourselves like dicks. (laughs) Very true. But yeah, so I've just had a thought. So if if Sung is Steve Jobs, Maddox is Tim Cook. Yeah, it's cool, isn't he? Tim Cook. Yeah. Mm. So basically, yeah, that's the thing. So Maddox is like the not as good, but equally pretty bloody exceptional knockoff from Sung, who is um, is Steve Jobs. Mm. <laughs> I hope. Uh, well, you had mentioned before that you thought that the Daystrom Institute looked more like an Apple store. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think in some ways, whenever we're reviewing them, our, our reviews have kind of got slightly more seriousness as time goes on because there was a drop in the quality, I think, of the writing for a while, which was hard to describe. And things got very, very choppy. But yeah, it's, it's nearly got slightly easier to review in some ways because it's not just as choppy as it was. I think possibly the stories run slightly smoother. Scenes are interlinked, inter- interlocking, whatever the word is better together than they were initially because there was the time that we did the two episodes together that was really really hard to review because there was so many it was so was. Mm-hmm. so i think it there has definitely, been definitely yeah yeah it's, it's been it, it, there's been an uh a, a sort of like an improvement in how it's been shot you don't feel like that you're missing out in bits so um here's hoping we have a decent ending and then for in the next episode, uh, if we don't, you're probably going to be able to hear the screams of us. But then by then, the zombies will have appeared and we could just be screaming anyway. <laughs> Very true. I mean, I would love if my I mean, I still think that you could have ended the series as I wanted to with the writer. I think that would have worked well. I am very interested to see what happens for the final episode. I do like the fact that we're getting this idea of uh, influence um, from within to try and 
find a common foe to blame things uh, on with regard to Sutra. Uh, again, are we going to see potentially the way Sutra is? Is it going to get a bit Nazi-like? In fact, if you think about it really to a degree, there is a very much a Nazi vibe in the sense of these perfect people, interesting twins, and you have somebody like Sutra sort of saying, all your problems can be blamed on this one group of people. You will, you know, you will rise against them. We are better than them. Like the idea of the Aryan race thing. So I think there's that element there uh, that would be interesting if it was explored. Um, I would love to see if uh, I am correct that it could be data. Um, part of me thinks it may not be, but would it not be an amazing thing to see if it was data, the Gollum? Yeah, it would be a big, huge screams. The, the only thing that bringing back some of these older characters, like if it, it was Picard possibly into the Gollum or data, is it the fact that the actors themselves, their, their voices and their appearance might be very, very difficult to replicate? Because you'd like to see them as a younger version. I'm just thinking, actually, if Picard yeah. became the Gollum, it would be Picard as he is at the moment. So we'd have a permanently yes. Picard, which is, okay, it's great to see the character, but is that practical? I mean, if you were well, going to become you... a of yourself, you, you'd want to become the young version. So, ba- well, basically, let's hope they could hire Tom Hardy for that one episode. <laughs> yeah, just the one. And then, of course, we still have hanging over us as well, Annika, as she's gone back as Seven of Nine, I suppose, possibly gone back to being. Will she become the board queen next week? Because oh, well, I didn't realise there's so many XBs about. I thought the XBs were, I thought they were all gone almost that was the impression that i got of the last episode and yet whenever we go into the cube they're busy and about like wee bees okay there's only a handful of them but it was certainly great to see that there was there were still still some alive so how many exactly drones does she have on board and we've still not seen alice krieg in any form no so next week could be one hell of an episode I haven't looked up it's to see the runtime miss for next week. It's not an extended episode, is it? What is the runtime? I mean, have we an extended episode or is it just the standard 45 minutes? I have no idea. But you know what? There's only one way we're going to find out. And I am promising I'm going to do my absolute best to social media cut myself off Thursday, Friday. Because I don't want to know anything. I don't want to see any weird release pictures where someone goes, oh, look, it's such and such a person. Like I think they've done with The Walking Dead where they've released a picture of something or when they stick up a picture of Sutra. I don't want to know. I want the shocker. I want to be there Friday morning going, holy shit, either good or bad. I had that spoiled as well because it was one of the review videos and it come up, you know, the way you get the, I, on my phone, I sort of like get some sort of like scraper when it comes to news stories and it throws out uh, YouTube videos if you've watched any of them. And there was that photograph, that one little photograph of Sutra. And I thought, oh, for fuck's sake, Soji's got this, the golden eyes. I had no idea what it was. And yet to a certain degree, it didn't spoil it. But literally anything at all next weekend could spoil it. And I, mm-hmm. I don't want that either. I want to be, well, we could be cut off from everything by then anyway. We may not have any internet by that time. Who the fuck knows? It's a week away. Anything could happen. Well, on that bombshell, as uh, Clarkson or Partridge would say, I think we have been, in fact, I'm going to use Gemma's quote. I think we've been talking enough cod's wallop, so I'm going to bring it to a close. It's been an absolute pleasure as ever. I have been James. And I've been Joanne. Well, I still am at the moment, but if the zombies get the hold of me next week, I'll be... Uh, 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 brains.